Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> Did you bring wine? I got the glasses. You guys, I made a quiz. No, I didn't bring anything, but I'm here to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the official Broadway Said Podcast, where we're drunk on theater. I'm your host, Brian Plofsky, and da do your way to something that's green for some fun now. You never know. Sudden changes. Am I right? This prologue isn't supper time, but I look for supper time to grow for me. Feed me. Get it? Now, it's just the gas, but if the meek shall inherit, then sign me up for Little Shop of Horrors medley. Ah, suddenly Seymour. Jeez. Call me in the morning, because we're closed for renovations at Mushnik and Son. Joining us are the usual skid rowers, including Kevin, Dentist Jager. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. Kimberly, our mean green mother from outer space game master and unofficial babysitter for the hour. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and with us today, um, uh, and oh no, I mean, what I meant to say was, and a part of our world, per usual, are two hammies and a tammy. Let's give a big broad wasted <laughs> welcome to friends of the show. Friends of the show. Friends of the show. Aaron J. Albano, Haley Petrina, Nikisha Williams. Go ready for this. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us once again. Um, we're super excited to have you this week. Um, uh, but before we be even start to talk about Howard, the Disney Plus documentary, um, let's uh, let's. Uh, Let's do, what are you drinking? What are you drinking? Uh, uh, Aaron, what are you drinking? Um, I, have an, I have another Q-Cocks. Uh, cool. uh, you can find it at, uh, at Q-Cocktails on Instagram. Um, and today it is a gin drink. Kimberly will be so happy. It is I'm very happy. The, the Suffragin Suffragest. It's For the 100th C- anniversary. Yeah. It's for Seagram, it's with Seagram's gin, chamomile cordial, Monin violet. Oh, yeah. that's a flower. That's a, there's a flower in there. Um, lemon juice, blackberry puree, helicocktail aromatic, helicocktail orange, and microfloral garnish. That sounds so, amazing. It's really cool. good. And I don't particularly like gin drinks, so it's great. No, it's just what you'd want to drink while you're fighting for your right to vote. Great. Yes. <laughs> Um, Kimberly, what are you drinking? I didn't want anyone to drink. I have a gin drink as well. 
Um, it is, I went to Brian's house and I got my stash back. Um, <laughs> because he took it home from the office and he doesn't drink it. So I got all of it. Yeah. Um, so I Bar Hill honey gin and tonic with a little bit of lime. Beautiful. Um, Nikisha. More of my $11 wine, red wine blend for today. Haley. Um, today I have polar seltzer, pineapple, pomelo, and it is honest. I'm so obsessed with polar seltzer, but it is one of my new favorite flavors. I'm so obsessed with it. Cool. My favorite. And, um, Kevin. Um, so I am officially joining the drinking party of the, uh, <gasps> Because uh, Sunday was the last eight of the eight weeks. Huh. Oh my gosh, welcome back. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. I, uh, thank you. It feels amazing, but I was like, literally the day, like the last day, I was like, this is great. I'm going to the liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> what did you have for your first drink back? So my first drink back, I had Prosecco. I felt like it was like exciting, but like COVID finance times, so it wasn't champagne. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Whoever buys actual champagne. That's what I was saying. Like, I actually think that's that's why I like the Prosecco better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was in the fridge ready to go. Like, when I it was just like, I will take that. That That's cold and inviting. Are you still drinking that right now? No, but right now I am drinking uh, a red wine because I missed it. Um, Every single time I do, I do a family Zoom with my entire family. Like, every week and every other week it's kids or no kids um oh which is great and the kids hate it but like we love it so like the kids are always like pawing at the door where my sisters have like locked their kids up (laughs) it's amazing oh uh, kevin you're gonna get so drunk today i know so like the with the family ones my my family's always drinking red wine or like some cocktails sometimes but usually red wine so i just sit through like eight weeks of having family zooms and like oh no oh you're not drinking again and they're like ah i'm so glad after a long day to have a glass of red wine and i'm like ah so now i'm happy ah and brian what are you Um, drinking i am drinking malagra tequila um uh on the rocks um in this uh, school of rock cup um with some um uh, lime seltzer nice yeah um but now that we have our drinks, um, let's start to talk about the Disney Plus documentary, Howard. Um, this documentary is about the life of uh, and work of Howard Ashman, um, as told uh, from a uh, video of him, as well as um, the people around him. Um, so uh, it was directed by Don Hahn, um, who was a producer on things like Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King. Um, but he also directed Waking Sleeping Beauty, uh, which is the other documentary on Netflix, uh, excuse me, uh, on Disney Plus uh, about um, that time period, um, the, the history of basically like, you know, the tea behind all those movies, the, all the yeah. golden age and new golden age of, of Disney. It's, fan- um, it's fantastic. And and that also features Howard Ashman's uh, little clips of his speech, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, The the, the lecture? The lecture? The lecture, the lecture, I should say, yes. Um, So let's, um, this came out very recently, so this is brand new. So I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to skip it. You've seen it before. Some of us have watched it twice, but like for, for, for more or less, like this is all within the last month for all of us. 
Um, and, but if you have watched it twice, um, definitely let us know what your opinions were um, first time to second time. Um, I am I am I, I am one of those people that will happily give my opinion on that. Um, uh, but um, let's get we, right into it. Should we raise um, a glass to him first? Yeah, we can absolutely raise a glass to him. Cheers. 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 Um, so let's talk about the documentary, just overall feelings about it. And then I want to get deeper into a lot of the, we'll talk about it in terms of a documentary film, um, in terms of like the quality of it versus the, the content of it. And then we'll talk a little bit about the themes within it, um, in terms of, you know, this is a Disney movie. Do you think they handled the things that Disney box out all the time? Well, um, um, so we'll talk about that as well. Um, but, um, uh, uh, who wants to start uh, talk, talk, talking about their feelings about Howard? Uh, I'll go. Cool. So this was my first time watching it. I watched it uh, today before the the podcast, and I did better than tomorrow. Other well, <laughs> that part. <laughs> and uh, I did not know anything about Howard. I didn't know that he wrote all of those things. Like. The only person I knew was Alan Minken. Like, Disney, Alan Minken. That's all I knew. So when I watched this, it was such a surprise to see not only all of the great things that he created, but everything that also happened in his personal life. And it was especially um, heart-wrenching with the passing of uh, Chadwick Boseman and Mm. his journey. So I was... uh, seeing a lot of parallels in that aspect of um, wanting to uh, keep the secret of everything that was happening with him in his personal life so that he could continue in his professional life Mm -hmm. um, and still being able to succeed in all of that. So it was, it was really nice to get kind of the backstory on some of my absolute favorite Disney movies. Like when I was growing up, Aladdin was my movie like that every day, all day, rewatched it all the time. And I had um, I had a VHS of that and of uh, Beauty and the Beast, actually, and of Little Mermaid. So all of the things I was just kind of like living my best, um, you know, elementary school life, seeing this man and all that he had had created, and it was just a nice um, thing to kind of watch for the first time and and really be introduced to this particular person in that way through this documentary. So it was great. I loved it. Um, while we're at it, let's also raise a glass to Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. That was out of left field and uh, not something else we needed this year. Um, but yes. his he has one hell of a filmography that's going to live on for a very, very, very long time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, uh, who else wants to kind of talk a little bit? Aaron? I'll continue on to that, like just piggybacking off of that. Yeah, like this, because this is the second time I watched it. Um, okay. I watched it when it first came out because a few, I wanted to watch it and a few of my <laughs> cast members from Hamilton also wanted to watch it. So mm-hmm. we had a socially distanced gathering where we ate some dinner and watched Howard. Um, and it was, it was wonderful then. And I love, because I, I, I am very familiar with Howard's work, except for like, the content of the musical smile i had no idea what that musical was about mm. all i knew was disneyland all i literally knew was disneyland mhm but but like going off of what what nikisha said yeah like this this watch resonated that much more 
with the passing of Chadwick Boseman because of specifically that reason. I remember thinking about it when he passed on how much he had to hide it and like to the point where they were like, all right, we'll come to you. And because people not in the inner circle weren't privy to the information, they were just like, mm. I guess this asshole, like had sure. to, we have to like go and see him in like upstate New York, um, having not, yeah. n- not knowing anything about mm-hmm. what's actually going down. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that that was, that's a very significant and timely connection that we were able to make with this, this watch, uh, us doing it this week. Sure. Uh, Haley. Um, I just loved it. I was not aware that he made, um, all of our childhoods, you know, he He was in charge of it. Um, and I'm again, a horrible musical theater person. Like, I don't know anyone. I just go to work and I leave. I didn't know he did little shop. So I was like, work. He's done so much. Um, But, uh, yeah, it was just like a beautiful story and to have to deal, you know, with, um, all the AIDS history and his losing of loved ones. And I mean, anyone who has a story like that is just so heartbreaking. Um, but I think it's really wonderful that his legacy lives on not only through music, but like all of our memories and future kids' memories. Um, I think that's so cool. And, I'm so glad we got to watch it because it's been, I've been like itching to watch it so bad, but I knew mm. we were going to do it. So I was like, oh, fine. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, Kevin? Uh, yeah, I, uh, so I watched this today. Um, I have been, I was very emotional during and uh, after. I, um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of connections with him because like I'm a young gay male writer who is a lyricist and book writer who is very specific about what I like and have worked with multiple writing partners to like try to find that magic thing. Like just a lot of things about like his passions and career and like social life, like resonated a lot with me. Like my best friend and I uh, created a theater company at one point when I first got here and it was kind of like to save our friendship because we were like going through all it was just like a whole thing. So like all these parallels kept hitting me in my life. Wow. And it was just like super intense. So it was just like, it was one of those like, yeah, I just, I really resonated with this movie and like, I knew he had done all this work, but like to see it all together was just like really a lot. So like, it just like hit me really hard. And I always like, I get very emotional about like all the incredible creators who could have created such amazing things that were lost because of this epidemic. Um, and not just that they were lost, but like how they were treated as they were fading from life. And yet these are the people who left indelible marks on our childhood, our lives and like the future of children's lives. Um, and that he was afraid to tell Disney he was sick because he thought they would be like, oh no, we can't have like a gay man writing a kid's movie who has AIDS. And like for that to be a real fear that he like dealt with was just like a lot. And I think like our generation should be like so empathetic and like ex- like thankful, and I think we sometimes forget and get very into the body and like the look and like the flashiness of gay life, and it's also just like the epic like power that comes from knowing your past and the past of your people. Um, so this just hit me a lot, um, Kimberly. Um, I watched this last night 
um, late, which is always when I am the most apt to leave before bed. Um, and yeah, like Nikisha said, just like thinking about Chadwick Boseman, like the whole time he was hiding it. And like, I don't know, I feel like in a pandemic, I can cry, like thinking about someone like being slightly ill. And so like, I don't know. I can get into issues I have with it as a film later mm-hmm. when we talk about that. Um, but still, at the end, I was just like crying. She was like, are you crying really hard? And I was like, it's sad when people die. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Yep. But I also like knew his name, but not his entire repertoire. And so that was very funny. I wish we got to see how Aladdin got made without him. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish we got to mm-hmm. see, like, what choices people made and, like, how they were honoring him. I also wish we got to see um, more of his partner's speech, mm-hmm. except yeah. for Oscar, because they kind of, like, breezed over, just like, this is the first Oscar given posthumously to someone who had died of AIDS. And I was like, I wish we, they delved into, like, that moment in Disney's history of being, like, you can say that and, like, please acknowledge that that is what happened. Um, but yeah, Um, it was good. Um, cool. So yeah, this was my second time watching it. Um, uh, I think this is, you know, I did know Howard, I did know about Howard Ashman and, um, I did know like none of this was like new information to me. Um, but that, that has no effect on like, if I was still moved by it, um, very moved because I don't know. I feel like to us as a generation, and, and if I'm speaking for only myself, let me know, but I feel like he's kind of a myth. He's a legend. He's like an urban legend almost where like yeah. this definitely made him feel more, obviously made him feel more real. Although it still added a level of urban myth to him because like uh, he's, it's being told by other people it, except for like the clips they have of him. So I think this was really nice to kind of, have a narrative surrounding his story as opposed to like the little wiki if you read the wikipedia entry or you know like a book here or there i think this is obviously his work stands for itself but this was a nice kind of way through that um that's the first thing the second thing and that i'll uh, uh and the, i'll uh, uh, i'll pose this to everybody first and let's maybe let's go right into the let's talk about it as a film um, as a documentary. Um, and something I also want to point out um, is that this movie is not like most documentaries are. This movie does not have any talking heads. This is all voiceover, new content voiceover wise, but there are no like cuts. Very similar to Six by Sondheim was a little bit like this where they just used um, interviews that Sondheim had done and, and put things around that. Um, um, which is always impressive. Um, so this there are no talking heads in terms of focusing. All the visuals are very much, um, you're watching Howard for an hour and a half, mm-hmm. which I really appreciated. Cause it, so it's not, you're hearing his story by other people, but, but you're watching him the whole time, even if they reuse footage, cause that's all they have. Um, yeah. um, I want to pass this to whoever wants to start. What did you think about this as a film? Um, do you think that, uh, you know, wh- what are your thoughts? I'll, I'll kind of put that out there um, in um, terms of as a documentary. I have a differing opinion, so I can start. Sure, and just that I did not like that you didn't get to see anybody because if I wanted that, I could listen to a podcast. 
Yeah, I'm sort of I'm sort of with you on terms of it like felt like a podcast where I was also like scrolling through his Instagram. Like accurate. Um so there were just times where I was just like, I want to see someone's face while they described him. I want to see like his partner talk about him. And I think I wonder though how many of the interviews were new and old because they were obviously mm-hmm. all of the sound quality was great, even all the Howard voiceover. Yeah. So part of me was so like, good. did they just pull from so many different things that it would have looked disjointed? Um, and then I found some of the visuals repetitive. So mm-hmm. as a film, I was like, Jay said it after we were done at just like, I've never seen a documentary with better content than it like it, the content deserved a better film. So it was a crazy yeah. story that I wanted to hear more about. And I would have watched another half an hour, 45 minutes of it, but maybe because they only had so many pictures to scroll through, they cut it. I don't know. I would actually so, agree with that because yeah, this, this second time, because I knew what I was watching and yeah. I was by myself, I I crocheted for most of the movie because I knew yeah. I wasn't really missing. I could just glance up once in a while. He um, had a bunch. Yeah. So I mean, I, and and I do love the fact that his his face and his and his image was there for, mo- for all of the movie. Oh yeah. Um, I would have loved a little bit more balance of talking heads and people. Yeah. So I could, someone- even just to introduce them at the beginning and then maybe they don't come back would be fine. Yeah. I don't know. So it was- as someone who watched it twice, like Aaron, yeah. I agree. This does not hold up as well as a film the second time through. Um, his story is still as engaging as the first time, but yeah. the second time through, there was a lack of empathy um, from the storytellers because you couldn't see his husband's face. You couldn't see his yeah, husband cry. You couldn't right. see Howard Ashman like look to the corner of the screen, just like maybe thinking about the time that he threw the tape deck across the room. Like you, I, you yeah. we were hearing yeah. those stories, but I, I never felt the stories. Um, it felt like a really well done Wikipedia article. And just because the story is tragic, it felt tragic um, and it was tragic. Um, I will, however, say that the um, the best parts of the documentary for me, and this is totally like, I mean, like I could have watched three hours of the recording session that they opened oh, it up. Oh my god, that time! Like I would watch that footage. Like they started at nine and they were done that day at ten. I would sit down and watch that whole day. Yes. Oh, for sure. Like <laughs> it kind of felt like it was made on iMovie. <laughs> this is you know, like I I don't know. It was like a Disney version of co-op. Like, it was great. <laughs> yes. Kevin? Kevin's cringing. I, I, I kind of completely disagree because okay. I, th- I think the entire theme of this movie was um, about someone who we don't realize was, like, the actual puppeteer of our entire childhood and, like, also such a big innovator in musical theater. And he was, like, always in the background, never seen especially with the theme, the thematic material toward the end of the movie, how he was like kind of hiding. And that's what you did when you got sick, when you had AIDS, was you kind of like hid from people when you could no longer hide it visually anymore. Mm-hmm. And so his like ending was kind of him like disappearing. So I felt like this movie was just showing him 
So that the whole time it was like, we all know what Dis- Little Mermaid looked like. We know what these things look like. Um, I felt like they were really trying to hammer home that like, this is his one time to actually be in the spotlight where people see him and see what his work meant. So I liked that they used the just him style. I also am very used to like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Ken Jennings, who does a lot of like documentary. Mm-hmm. Ken do- Burns. Ken Burns. Ken Jennings won, won Jeopardy. <laughs> Jeopardy. <laughs> Thank you. So Ken Burns, who does documentaries, his documentary style is very much like this, where there's not very many yeah. talking heads. There's a Ken Burns effect in iMovie that will zoom into a photo for you. Yes. It's mostly photos and videos and stuff. And I actually, like, my introduction documentaries as a kid and, like, as a growing adult was, like, seeing Ken Burns documentaries because my parents loved them. Mm-hmm. We would all watch them. So I got very used to that style. So this, like, didn't seem that off to me because, like, that's a very Ken Burns documentary style to, like, just focus on the visuals and let people talk because by the end you're seeing hit the, the emotion in his voice on top of or you're seeing the emotion on his face of what's happening in his life as you're hearing the other people talk about it so i feel like those two visual cues combined to give you like a unique take on like almost like a voyeuristic experience of oh, what sure. he was going through so that's, um, i felt like that was what that style was for sure um Nahisha, thoughts on the style and, and the film in general? Yeah, I mean, I I totally understand what Kevin is saying as far as making sure that Howard is the spotlight. And if they didn't have a lot of video of him to have an hour and a half documentary, like how do you make that work? Um, but when I initially was watching it, I felt how what Kimberly stated, like, for me, I would have liked to have seen the emotion of the people, their faces, like talking about um, this person that, that they cared about, just because it kind of uh, hones in on all the information that you're getting uh, with his life. So I would have also preferred to have had more of that, more um, visual things, and not necessarily just the recording sessions, but how he worked with all of the actors. I would have liked to have seen that in particular uh, more um, because like they were talking about how when he would write certain lyrics and how he would give direction and how he was never vague and how he gave direction. Like if there was more clips of that and maybe it's because there probably wasn't. Um, But if there were more clips of that, I would have liked to have seen just how he worked um, as opposed to just hearing from from other people, like hearing from a second party, you know. Haley? Um, so the very beginning shot is like, you're getting the story from, was it his sister? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who's telling this story about their childhood. And, you know, it's obviously like a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh voiceover like the memory the visual of what i'm talking about like a like the b-roll a reenactment yeah a reenactment that's what i'm looking for sorry you can Mm -hmm. edit that that out nope (laughs) (laughs) um the so the visual is a reenactment of what the sister is talking about and i was like okay cool i get it and then once it kept going i was like wait, I want to see people's faces. And then I got used to it and it was totally fine for me. But like Kimberly, the person I wanted to see the most his face was his partner. Um, 
like his the a video of him while he's doing these interviews. Um, and yeah, I could have. I honestly, the, the parts where I just like exploded of like happiness and sappy and nostalgia was those recording sessions. I'm like, I can't do this. It was so it's, I love behind the scenes stuff. And that is like Mm. the most it's, you can't get better than that. It's so good. Um, yeah, Aaron. The one thing that I, that I did love the choice that they made with the filmmaking was in whenever they would show like, clips from a show or clips from the animated films instead of the actual soundtrack to the films mm-hmm. they would play the demos that yes. he recorded for yeah, that part great. of the movie which i thought that. was beautiful and i think it also set it up for the last moment which got me very deeply because after during the credits they then play which they have been talking about they i think at one point during the little mermaid section they talk about his demos for mm-hmm. certain songs, yeah. especially yes. Your World. And when they, after like the wrap up of the movie, and then they click into that demo of Part of Your World, I lost it. Sure. That's when I was like, <gasps> that's when I, I like audibly gasped. Yeah, I was yeah. like, because that's yeah. how at the end they I did rap, it. they basically played the movie backwards. And I kind of liked that. I was like, oh, that's a fun little gift for us of like, you stayed through the whole thing and now you get to like watch his life go backwards a little bit. I don't yeah. know. I thought that was kind of an editing little, I thought that was smart and fun. <laughs> sure. I think thematically we all, it seems like we all agree that thematically we understand why they did what they did. We just differ between whether it worked for us or not. Um, and um, whether or not we felt like there was enough content, visual content, to justify the lack of talking heads. Um, but let's talk about actual content of this now. Um, Disney is known, as, as it was very clearly shown in this, um, to always be hesitant to show something outside of what is considered normal by society standards. That is inclusive of them not even like it was a big deal when LeFou was, was supposed to be gay and then do Beauty and the Beast. And like, sure, but like, they don't really go all in on it. It's a very yeah. half-assed attempt to appease whatever they think they're appeasing. Um, um, like, yeah. There's nothing more than that. Yeah, like a glance <laughs> at the end. Um, I guess um, the question I have for you is, this movie, the, uh, the, the, the crux of this film is about the work he was able to do in the limited amount of time that he had his genius on the fact that he was a gay man who had AIDS. He, he, you know, it, it cut his life short. He had to hide it. Um, his partner is speaking in this. Do you think that this documentary does enough with that information um, to, uh, or do you feel like there was still a bit of a, um, you could, you could, did you feel like you could feel Disney being like, well, maybe we, we tone this part of it down, but like we, everyone knows he had AIDS. I guess like, what is your opinion on, on, on that aspect of the content of this film? I was shocked that they even told that part of the story. I mean, that is such a huge part of his life. Um, but when it's hard to say like, well, when the story took a turn, it's like, well, that's what happened in this life. But when 
they did openly talk about it. There was a moment where I was like, wow, I'm really proud of Disney. Like good for them. Yeah. I, I felt like they handled it really well that they like didn't run away from it and embraced it. I thought it was a big deal that they showed in a negative light photos of people holding like Christian messages of hate. Um, and I'm not saying that all Christianity is a hateful thing. I mean, like when they use Christianity as a weapon to say something hateful on a sign like that. And the fact that they showed that I thought was a big step for Disney to kind of like not be afraid of like what the religious, like fanatical side would say about things like that. Um, Cause they're usually very active and Disney is usually very scared of them in how they put on a lot of their things. Um, but to put that in here, I thought was very impressive. I think it was good the way they handled it and that they didn't dive too deep into that. Because I didn't want, like, we're at the point now where gay people are tired of our stories being told as just, like, giant, epic AIDS homages. Um, And it's, like, that that was, like, a trope that, like, it's almost the same thing as, like, the gay death. Like, you're telling gay story, one of the people, like, partners is going to die because it's always tragic. So I think that, like, the fact they talked about it openly and strongly, but didn't make it the focus and still focused on his work and his life that that was a part of. Um, they handled it almost the same way you would handle someone had cancer, but just it was a more like elevated experience. Um, so I felt like they really handled it well. And I was actually very proud of Disney to have this on their family-based channel and to push it as much as they did. Yeah. I, in the world of too many streaming sites, never remember where I'm watching something. So I wasn't really aware of the fact that like Disney made this like as that section of the movie was happening and they were showing the protesters and stuff. I was just like, yeah, that was like, it didn't cross my mind that Disney wouldn't have shown that until his partner gave that until like he brought it up that he was scared to tell Disney and then they show his partner doing that. And so in my mind, I was like, oh, like Disney has always been supportive because, of course, the thousands and millions of artists that have ever worked for Disney, like, they're not all straight. So I'm sure it was something that they had dealt with many times over as far as, like, being supportive of their employees. The scariest and craziest part of this film was that he was afraid he'd lose his insurance if he got diagnosed right mm-hmm. um and i was really glad that that was left in because i feel like that is still a relevant part of american society being afraid that if you get a terminal illness you do not have the means to fix it um even if you are like the top echelon of your field like you can be scared to get a diagnosis because of what it means for your privatized insurance. Sure. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, um, Aaron, were you going to say something before? Mm. Oh, okay. Um, Nikisha, any thoughts on that? Uh, no, I agree with what everyone was saying. I mean, I don't want to speak um, too much because I, I am not a gay male that is experiencing this type kind of discrimination. So just hearing from you guys that you felt that it was something that um, was handled very well is, is very nice to hear um, because you don't, uh, when I watched it personally, I was um, happy when they finally just said HIV AIDS instead of like calling it the cancer every, every time until they finally was like, this is what it is. So I was just happy that they were just telling the truth and then the truth and in how it was in its most basic form. Um, because that's, that's what his life was. Like we've all been stating, like that was a part of his life. And so I'm happy that they, um, included that. And I'm happy that, um, you guys felt that it was, uh, appropriately handled by Disney, mm-hmm. but for sure it was, I was very happy that they, um, were shedding a light on what was going on in the world and how the world, uh, was, was treating, um, people that were dealing with that because it does have, um, a case in how you walk about in your daily life and how you handle things because of outside negativity and um, people who are holding the power in that moment and how they can take something away from you because of, of something different. And then I like the parallel of um, Beauty and the Beast, even though the sister was saying that he really wasn't talking about mm. his personal life when he was mm-hmm. talking about the the beast and um, the the mob fearing something that they didn't know. But even if it he wasn't intentionally doing, even if Howard wasn't intentionally writing that, I love that that was still uh, came out as a parallel and um, that that was expressed in the in the documentary. So I do love. He, oh, sorry. Oh no, go for it, Kevin. I was just saying, I think those parallels were huge. Like also doing the parallel to like the Aladdin, the section of Aladdin where Jafar is stripping Aladdin to nothing. Mm. And like for Disney to put in their movie and embrace that that was a gay man seeing himself like stripping away. Like that's, that's a huge step to embrace that and say like, yeah, this part of the movie came from this experience. And like, mm. that's huge for them to stand behind it. And in yeah. a way, this, this movie in a way almost felt like a dad accepting a son for being gay, like accepting yeah. the story. It felt like Disney was like doing this movie to be like, we see you, which also mm. I think played into why they put it all of him in his face. Cause that's like, to me, that was the vibe I got of like Disney kind of embracing him and being like, we embrace who he was the entire story. Sure. Uh, but Aaron. I do also love that. Like in addition to, because the narrative of the movie wasn't, he was well, he had, he had AIDS the end. Like, my one of my favorite things that they kept in of his narrative was the was the effect that this had on his interactions with other people like like he be, for all intents and purposes he became a dick in the office because he was like i don't have time i don't 
Like I, I'm running on borrowed time now. Like, and it's this sort of traumatic element to knowing you have this disease yeah. that and I think is, is left out of a lot. And I think that's left out of a lot of narratives about having HIV AIDS because mm-hmm. so true. a lot of times you do see like, and then there's an AIDS diagnosis and then we get a montage of someone withering away. You don't yeah. get to see the three years where they're trying to keep working. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's so um, true. I also like the parallel between his experience and his ex's experience because mm. they were what, like 10 years apart. Like they say that his ex got it before there was a name. They had just start like, and so it like struck me at the end of just like the difference that probably the whole world would have had had he had it sooner. Mm. Right. And that there, I mean, there was a stigma in 1990, but there was even more when it was still like something no one knew what it was. Yeah. Um, also, it's weird watching anything about the AIDS epidemic in the, the current pandemic and just watching how differently things were handled. And just, mm-hmm. just Absolutely. Um, well, he wrote a part of your world, um, and something that's a part of our world is Tuesdays in the Corner with Kevin. Kevin, can you splash on a rock? <laughs> that was great. Boom. That was good. Who in this chat didn't pretend to be Ariel at one point when you were in a pool when you were a child? Look at my oh. hair. No, pulling well, a child—that's a bathtub moment for sure. Oh, I mean, yeah, do that. I'm from Florida, so we were in pools all the time. So we used to—I used to do like my like the dolphin dive, like you're like a mermaid. Yes, there was a—I went through a phase where I only swam with my feet together. Like a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so welcome to Kevin's corner. Um, so, like I said, Howard Ashman is a like huge kind of like influence in uh, like what I love to do. And so I wanted to honor him today in Kevin's Corner, so we're going to play a lyric game. So I'm going to read some of his lyrics, and you're going to have to name the song and, like, the entity that it came from. Beat him I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. Oh, I got I to gotta put my feet down. Listen. Right. Get this. Uh, there's a surprise for the last one, so I'll save that till the end. Hopefully Is it hairspray? <laughs> it work, so you'll still get the surprise if you're just listening uh, to the podcast feed but if you are following us on Patreon you'll get a visual along with an audio so um, here we go okay so the first one is and let me finish before we bump in so wait how are we like are we raising yeah. our hand first or what are we doing are we just saying it out loud are we just yelling okay, already raised like wait everybody stay still and if you think you know the answer you have to start to dance and that's how I'll know who is first. Okay. <laughs> oh my okay. I have to pee, so this is a little difficult. Okay. <laughs> do you, you want to go and we'll do it real quick? No, go. All right. Question one. I know you're going to say the trees are paper mache. It's done with mirrors. The magic there. Each little bird full of springs, you press a button and it sings recorded music in the air. They've had... The mountain refaced and it's only plywood and paste. Go on, say it. I'll turn around and tell you, I don't care. I don't care. I'm just going to take a guess. 
Okay, go ahead. Go I don't ahead. even know the song title because I don't even know the show, but I'm going to say it's from Hello, Mr. Rosewater. It is not. Oh. I'm going to... Is that what the show's called? I know that song. Is that Disneyland from Smile? That is Disneyland from yeah. Smile. Oh. Erin, your song. Yes. I know. I was like, is this going to be the caliber of these lyrics? I'm not going to win this. I don't. I'm like, I sang that in college just like everyone else. Uh, it's such a good I literally, song. I literally know the, the chorus and maybe just like the little word. Yeah, no, that whole song. And how cool is it that like that was Jody Benson and he was like, I feel bad that I didn't get her like a big show. So like, hey, come be Ariel. Come be Ariel. Like most famous people to be a Disney princess. Yeah. 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 I sang Disneyland in college because our teachers said, if you're going in for a Disney show and you want to show your Disney voice, but like don't sing a Disney song, sing Disneyland. Oh, nice. I think I I hate school. I think the lesson we learned from this is just make sure you're making the right friends along the way. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So the next next one, I feel like Brian will love this one. Oh, God. Mother Mary, Mother Mary, the hams from Westphalia and the lamb I had flown from Australia. But they'll want it well done or sliced thin on a bun with a sauce, orange sauce, McDonald's sauce. Uh, I thought I would be better at this game. Well, he's <laughs> obviously picking. He's not just going to be like, proud of your boy. Why <laughs> want you to be proud of your boy? <laughs> I don't um, know. I, don't, I have no idea. Literally have no idea. That is cheese nips from God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, oh, that, was the, that was the clip. And was that an Encores production? I assume it was. So, right? No, I Googled it because I, I sent that clip to Bryn. And I was like, I'm sure you've gotten 500 of these this week. Right? Mm-hmm. You're a star. Um, it was an off-Broadway revival. Santino was in it. Yeah. Mm. Um, Bryn, O'Malley. Um, now I'm like forgetting everyone. There were a lot of people. Which is terrible, but everyone. There were a lot of people in like, it, yeah. That. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right, next one. Here we go. Ain't it great the way it all begins in New York City? Right away, you're making time and making friends. No one cares where you were yesterday. If they pick you out, you're on your way to a once upon a time that never ends. Uh, nobody had this cassette tape and listened to it the whole way from Cleveland, Ohio to South Carolina, Florida. Or no. Carolina. Nope. You're going to have to help us out. Unless oh, it was playing Aaron? the movie, I listened to that. I thought maybe, oh, Aaron? Is it Skid Row? No. Brian, <laughs> come on, you're from Jersey, bro. Uh, I, don't, I'm, I don't know. It is Once Upon a Time in New York City. From Oliver and Company, which was sung by Bruce Springsteen, if I'm not if I'm not correct. I didn't know he wrote music for Oliver and Company. I don't know that the, song. Is that a band? Oliver <laughs> and Company is a That's Disney movie. Disney movie with the little cat and Billy Jolson. Oh. Why should I worry? Why yeah, should I care? He was originally brought oh. to Disney to write, like, help them with that show, and he just wrote that one song, and they were like. He's really good. And then they offered him Little Mermaid. Oh. And we're like, who do you want to work with? And he was like, Alan Menken. And they're like, bring him out here. 
P.S. Did anybody else pause that letter and just like read it? No. no oh I no, sure did. I didn't. I sure did. And you know there is there is a phone number to Jeffrey Katzenberg on the bottom of that letter that oh. I have not tried to call yet, but I might. Yes. <laughs> no. All right. Here's the next one. Okay. If you want to cross a bridge, my sweet, you've got to pay the toll. Take a gulp, take a breath, and go ahead and sign the scroll. Blossom Jetson, now I've got her, boys. The boss is on a roll. I saw Haley first. I know, Haley did it first. Ursula, um, the Little Mermaid. What's, What's the name of the song? What's it called? I'm dancing because I know the name of the song. All right, I'll give Haley one point and Aaron one point if you can get the name of the song. Poor unfortunate soul. Oh, that's right. All right, this next one I think is one of the most brilliant lyrics ever created. Ever just the same, ever a surprise, ever as before, and ever just as sure as the sun will rise. That's just perfect. Haley. Hell as old as time. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the yes. Beast. From what movie? Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, <laughs> Kevin, I think, wait, I think maybe there's a version that Springsteen sings, but why Once Upon a Time in New York City was sung by Huey Lewis. Oh, he's like really? the same person. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And the news or just Huey? It just says Huey Lewis. I don't know if the news partook. <laughs> Was Bruce Springsteen? No, it wasn't Bruce Springsteen. It was someone else. Sorry. Okay. Billy Joel? Yes. Billy Joel is in that. Yes. But he sings, um, Why Should I Worry? Right. I I always confuse the two of them. So do I. Yeah, me too. I used to confuse them all with Elton John. All three of them. (laughs) Where? Yeah. They were all out around the same time, right? Anyway. (laughs) All right. Next one. Okay, next one. These are the songs I know, so I'm ready to dance. So don't you sit, so don't you sit there, slack-jawed, buggy-eyed. I'm here to answer all your midday prayers. You got a bona fide, certified. You got a genie for your charge oh. affairs. Uh, Aaron, mm-hmm. friend like me. Yes, from Aladdin. I like that you said bona fide, certified, which is the actual rhyme, but he doesn't say it in the track. Yeah, he does it really weird. Side off, huh? <laughs> he said bona fide, certified. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Okay, um, so the last one that I'm going to do with you, I'm going to share my screen um, because this is a like Jeopardy style like audio or the video clip or whatever. Um, we're going to go all the way back to 2001. <laughs> what a time to be alive, honestly. What a time. What are these called? The Daily Doubles? Ready? True crime musical ideas. Until oh, true crime. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh. Little Shop of Horrors. Yo, you stand exactly the same. Theater school did not change that spine at all. No, my <laughs> voice teacher in college hated that. Yeah. So that was yeah. that was me at 16 years old 
in my uh, junior year production of what show and what song? That would have been a Kim Jong. I really got it. Was Little Shop of Horrors? Correct. What song? Uh, was it Mushnick and Son? Oh, it was not. Oh, oh hey, the dance. Oh, I was gonna guess Mushnick and Son. Was it? Um, I don't remember the name. It's like an old proverb sound name. I I could I read my intro it. again. The meek shall inherit. Yeah. Yes. It that's was, my favorite song in that show too. That was my favorite song because that whole like interlude that he gets to have like his like oh god what do I do moment is like the best, and you get to do this whole like vocal flourish about Audrey, and like the girls used to swoon. It was like a thing. Yeah. You, know, you and Jay were Seymour the same year. That's <gasps> so weird. Two thousand one. Yeah, I think so. Yes, that was Kevin 19 years ago singing his little pretty tenor voice song. Yeah. And this was Kevin's Corner. Yay. Yay. Um, excuse me. Any, what, what, I'll just ask it, like, what, what were your favorite parts? What do you remember from this documentary? What, what, um, I don't know, where do you, just like any final thoughts you might have on that. Um, And then also if you could address like, do you think that people who who leave us too soon and in in terms of their work, do you, we'll never know obviously. So this is a very hypothetical question, but like, do you feel like the longer people go, the more diluted their work becomes? Or do you think that the quality of the work um, is so stand out that like it doesn't matter what he even would have done. This stuff is so good and so a part of everything that we've done. Like I guess we'll again. This is ba- we'll never know. I'm not sure. like looking uh, for a real answer, but like I don't. What are your opinions on that? Like, is he more of a figure because of that myth, and he just didn't. He's he he was an urban legend as us as kids and he wasn't here anymore to like talk about whatever and, and or create anymore. I guess, does that up the quality of the work or is the work stand for itself? I guess work through that, but also like, what do you love about this documentary? I'll start. Yeah. Just going off of that question, just, I mean, just going off of that question. I mean, I do think there is a definite connection to his legacy being like, not like upping, not upping the quality of the work, but upping the nostalgia of the work because we're not going to get anymore. Like he's like, there is a scarcity that exists because his work is now cemented in history. And there's an, there's an element where his work will continue with us. I think that, I think this goes with like a lot of other like creators that aren't with us anymore. Like, would rent be rent if Jonathan Larson didn't pass away? I don't know. None of us know. Like, and there, and there are certain, and so there's an element of if Howard Ashman didn't pass away and was able to still create work, this stuff would still be as brilliant, but it wouldn't be, and this is just my own opinion, but it wouldn't be this like intangible like work that his legacy is connected to because we lost him so young and because we don't have him anymore. Like, I think, I think there's definitely a connection that I don't think that detracts from the work at all, but I do think that that elevates our nostalgia for it. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, I understand what you're saying, but mm-hmm. I feel a little different. I feel like when someone is, and I feel like we've seen this in other stories, but specifically in this, in his life story, when someone is given like that kind of a diagnosis and have like a very finite amount of time to create, mm-hmm. especially somebody who's like one of those like magic creators who's just brilliant at it. I think that maybe knowing that they're going to die elevates their work to like a, like that desperation of knowing you have like a clock ticking makes you, I think some people rise to a level that is unattainably brilliant. So sure. I think like, like I, yeah, I think you just can't separate what that death sentence meant to the work you created in that time. The same way. Okay. That, I can buy that. The same way we talk about like Chadwick, I feel like, his brilliant body of work and the things he got to do and create, like you, like we can't separate what he was also going through that he brought with him on that journey into each of those characters um, and like understanding their humanity. And I think that like sometimes people knowing that they're going to have a short life, like blossom to heights that others can't. So like sure, that makes sense. Happen if they continued, but I think that maybe he was just the work would have been different. If yeah, it would have been different yeah. if he had the same thing with Jonathan Larson. I think the work would have been different if he hadn't had like the the stress, the pressure, like everything, like how like the way these things are created are just as important as the work themselves. And so I think that like his life, you can't separate that to really discuss. You know what I mean? That's I, fair. I, yeah. I think, that's yeah. That's just my take on that. Any other one thing that, on legacy? The one thing that I would, the one thing that I would say that I would say was a little like, I wouldn't say it's my favorite because it's my like, oh, like it's not something that brings me joy per se, but it was something that resonated with me in terms of watching it, both the first time and this time, is that I didn't connect that he is a man that we know of as a Disney man. We just associate him with a like with being sort of one of us and being sort of Broadway. But according to this documentary, Broadway turned their back on him. Oh essentially. yeah. Like, and he was upset with he was upset with us and ran away to like <laughs> ran away to LA and that's what created that's where he created the his long lasting legacy. And what mm-hmm. I find interesting about that is when I was reading the first time, I was also sort of reading some old newsy stuff. And I didn't connect that Alan, his first and only Tony so far was for newsies because I just assumed that he had all the other, he had all the other statues. And I just assumed he had one for, for this also, but it wasn't because every other time that they were eligible and they meaning him and Howard were, years that something else overshadowed them for whatever reason. Like when Beauty and the Beast was nominated, something else was also nominated that they, that, that got nom- that, that won. Same thing with Little Mermaid. And I like, it connected to me because Newsies was the first. And then after that was Aladdin, which didn't win, I was like, holy crap, that exhausts all of Howard's abilities to win posthumous Tonys. Because he can no longer, he can no, because all of, all of the other chances were overshadowed by something else. Yeah. Did Little Shop Shop Revival win anything? Little Shop Revival wasn't eligible for, 
Yeah, and and the and the Broadway production was considered a revival, so it wasn't yes. eligible for music and lyrics. Oh, yeah, and so yeah, that's, that's where my like legacy and wish for him comes in is just that I know those shows would have been better mm. if he were here to oversee their transition from. Mm, Broadway mm. because he yes. was one who brought the idea of a Broadway musical structure to the cartoon so to watch his mind bring that structure back to the stage mm. um, especially for something like Mermaid that didn't last very long mm. like I think they would have been better wow I didn't even connect to that yeah that would be Nikisha. yeah <laughs> Nikisha, any thoughts on um, uh, what you took away from this? Something that stood out for you? Yeah, well, just in speaking with the Tony references, that just reminded me of, of them saying that he was the one who introduced them to the I Want song, and they were thinking <laughs> that they should have already known about <laughs> that in the first place. So that's just also adds to the disheartening fact that he has not won a Tony and can't be eligible for one. Um, But for me, as far as like um, legacy purposes, because I did not know exactly who he was and all that he did, his movies were already a legacy for me without his name attached to it, Mm. which for me means that his work was legacy, not because of his death, but because of how good they were. Mm. Um, Because I didn't have, I didn't have that association. Sure. Um, so I can only speak speak on the fact that I personally loved the movies for the quality of the movie, um, and so that was the that that was more of the separation for me. But um, side note: when I worked at Disney for the Candlelight Processional, Jody Benson was one of the speakers, so I got <sighs> to stand next to her and sing for the holiday Christmas shows because she comes like often because she is a Disney princess, and so yeah. they ask her to come for the holiday um, shows all the time at Epcot. So uh, when I was working, I got to sing and she was right there and she's the sweetest little thing. And it was cool. a, a really, a really fun oh time. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. <laughs> my high school choir totally sang Candlelight one year. Yes. It it's a great thing. So cool. And it was, it was the guy who was the voice of the beast. Rob, was it Robbie? Robbie Benson? Robbie Benson. His voice in that clip of him in the recording studio, I'm like, mm. Oh my God. Like you, you mean, listening to it. But then when you see that clip of him recording that, you're just like, wow, you're wait, you amazing. Mean the, you mean the Gaston or the. Oh yeah. What'd you say? Oh, He's the, the beast. beast. But, oh, sorry. Gaston. I mean yeah. like kind of the same, but. I <laughs> <laughs> was Yeah. Like when I saw that, when they showed Gaston singing, I was like, wait, that's what Gaston looks like. <laughs> Truly, not, Gaston, not what I expected. So I got I, I got to meet Gaston because he because you went to Disney and he was in character. No, because yeah. his partner is a his partner is a performer as well. His uh, I, I think they're no, they're married now. She is a, an actress and a an opera singer. Um, Where and she did a show with me at Surflight Theater. Nice, and like he came to see it. Um, so like I got to meet him for a minute and I was like, and he was like, great job with the show. He was very nice. And I was just like, oh my God, you're casting on. Right from the moment <laughs> when I met him, saw him. I was freaking yes. out. <laughs> um, should we, should we play a game? 
Wait, that I want to mention. Oh yeah, go for it. Um, did you guys? Well, I broke down watching Jerry Orbach record "Be Our Guest." Oh, that got me really unwell. Like I was like, I felt like I was dry heaving, crying. Like it was just like, this is amazing. Um, but also, did you guys notice that when Howard won, when Howard and um. Uh, Alan Menken won the Oscar that he, they were sitting behind Marvin Hamlish. No. Oh. oh. What? Yeah, <laughs> because, you know, he mentioned earlier, like, well, Marvin was like the golden child. It's like, you just follow what Marvin did because he had the Oscar. But meanwhile, Howard was like, well, I'm the one who's doing all like the ideas and stuff. But like, you just had to follow, um, uh, Marvin, and then like that clip of them getting up and walking past Marvin. Walking I didn't even notice. Yeah, it's really cool. That's so good. That's awesome. Yes. Well, on that note, let's rank this bad boy. Um, uh, no, let's do let's do let's do Rotten Tomatoes first. Oh yeah, um, let's do yeah. Rotten Tomatoes first. Who wants to Who wants to guess the Rotten Tomato score first? One hundred <laughs> Are you guys take yours? No. Uh, ninety-two for me. You said ninety-seven, right, Kevin? I did. Okay, great. Eighty-six. Ninety-eight. Rude. Okay, and the winner is Nikisha. Uh, ninety. You said ninety-two, right? Yes. This has a ninety-five. Um, Howard serves as a bittersweet tribute to the life and legacy of a brilliant artist whose lifetimes, whose, whose timeless songs served as a soundtrack for a generation of Disney fans. Yes. Accurate. The audience score is an 84%, uh, much, uh, much lower. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Cool. Um, let's, uh, let's, um, uh, Let's rank this. Um, um, let me share my screen. Kevin, can you go over how rankings work while I bring this, in this episode? So, um, we the are end rankings, of course. The end rankings. So for the end rankings, we use um, the pop pod ranking system. Uh, throwback. You made up yourself. <laughs> uh, little throwback. Um, so the way it works is that the, the movies are either a one, two, or a three. Where one is like, it is a film. Like two... Is like that was a really great movie, and a three is like that was an interesting movie that I wish would have been better. So <laughs> each of those rankings have a plus or a minus, and the plus gives it that extra like, oh yeah, that was great, and the minus gives it like an extra little like meh kind of feeling to it. So it like brings it up or down, and that has been our rankings. That is a positive spin on those on those three threes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, can you all see my screen? Yes. No. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Um, let's, uh, let's, can you still see my screen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's go around. Who wants to go first? This is a three plus. Oh. Th- three I'm sorry, plus? a one plus. This is a film. <laughs> I always explain how it works and then I say it wrong. This is a one plus. <laughs> like, trying to find hello again is good. I I'll say one. Like. 
I'll say one plus as well because the emotional impact trumps everything. Sure. I hate that I feel weird saying, yeah. Same, but you know. Oh, sure. Who wants to go next? I give it just a one. Kimberly's giving it a one. Because you're a Same. Same. Girls also. Just because we like faces. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like faces too, but thumbs up to Brian. Um, I am going to give it a one. Okay, so average this movie is a one plus. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a one. This is a one. <laughs> so sorry, this, Kevin. The game's got overruled. This this gets uh this so same as last week as she's the man. This is a one. So I'll read through that list again. Best worst thing that could have ever happened. Latin history for morons. Restless creature. Wendy Whalen. Billy Elliot. Passing strange. Sister Act two. Back in the habit. Hamilton. Josie and the Pussycats. Gypsy. The bet version. Every little step. She's the man. And now Howard is now in the tier one category. 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 It's really solid. Yeah. I'm a good. I'm good with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we are going to announce our next uh, group of movies. Um, what we have decided on for all of you is something we're going to work out the name, but we're going to call it for now tentpole movies. We're watching three movies, movie musicals um, that um, are kind of uh, represent a specific type of movie musical that's doing it at its best. So we're going to start, Kevin. We're going to start with Lord of the Ring, The Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. And then we'll watch Lord of the Ring, The Two Towers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then we'll watch Star Wars, Return of the Jedi. Ah, yes. That's yes. like a nightmare for me. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to actually watch um, those. I hope you join us. No, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to actually watch um, uh, Singing in the Rain. So like what everyone considers as a perfect kind of um, Hollywood era movie musical, um, that type. Then we're going to s- skip ahead a little bit and we're going to watch Cabaret, uh, the Fosse directed version of Cabaret, which um, is arguably an incredible improvement over the stage. So, so all of a sudden you have a movie musical that is an improvement over what people still consider a good stage show. Um, and then third, we're going to watch kind of influenced by what we talked about today. We're going to watch a little shop of horrors, um, which is this, you know, really kind of uh, is like the, the, um, high mark for kind of um, uh, cult films uh, based on musicals. Um, we already watched Reaver Madness, so, you know, we, we should, we should uh, watch um, the other one, um, uh, Little Shop. Um, so we'll watch those. Um, we understand that other ones are like Sound of Music and, and in terms of like what people consider like perfect movie musicals. We have other plans for those types of movies in the future, so get excited. But Stay for this tuned. One, um, these are all on HBO Max, so you can find them, all three of them there. So again, it's going to be um, Singing in the Rain, Cabaret, and um, a Little Shop of Horrors over the next couple of weeks. So we're super excited to bring this to you. Um, but in the meantime, you can find us uh, on social media at Broadwasted. Hey, that's um, us. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, join our Facebook group where we're doing theater nerdy stuff. Um, Kevin runs that. Um, we also have a Patreon um, where those of you who are watching the video, hi. hi. 
Bye. For those of you who are uh, listening in podcasts, um, you get extra Bye. content there. By- no. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Um, you can get extra content there. Um, you can, of course, find us on things like Spotify and iTunes. You can rate and review us there. Five, Five stars, stars, please. please. Yes, thank you. Um, but we end every episode with a quote and we this do. one we do. Um, and this one, I, I just went, you know, I, I just went with, um, proud of your boy. I'll make you proud of your boy. Believe me, bad as I've been, Ma, you're in for a pleasant surprise. Um, that is from, uh, Mr. Rose Fitzwater. No, um, it's not. <laughs> that is from Aladdin. Um, that's from all age. of Aaron's. From all of Aaron's auditions from 2011, <laughs> 2013. Kevin's too. Oh, um, interesting. <laughs> but uh, thank you again, as always, for joining us. I'll be raising a glass, and we say, Cheers. Cheers. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.